enter the world of mind your own marketing business, explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. George is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and mobile development team Fjorge. And today on our show, we'll be talking with Chris Burt from Associated Brands Digital and author of Awareness Without Advertising. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me, Joel. All right. I'm excited to learn a little bit about um, Awareness Without Advertising. Um, and your organization. But as always, I like to start with, um, talk to me a little bit about you, how you got to where you are, and a little bit about um, you, you and your team at AB Digital. Yes, thanks. Yeah, so AB Digital has been, uh, we're now in our second decade. We like to say that we uh, were founded in 2006. Uh, and since that time, we have been focused on generating awareness without spending a great deal of money on uh, paid advertising, whether it be traditional or non-traditional. We've been called one of a kind by USA Today. We've been called part of a trend by the New York Times. And the agency is founded on the belief that a brand without buzz is a brand without impact. And that is true today more than ever. My personal background has been with a series of both emerging and re-emerging brands. Uh, and by that I mean, usually we are hired to work with re-emerging brands in fortune class companies that are seeking to turn around a brand. Uh, they're usually, usually it's a business unit that, that has been harvesting its brand for too long and they think they need to inject new life into their positioning. And then we work with emerging brands and that's been very uh, exciting over the last, I would say, 15 years. Uh, and my background is in developing the complete omni-channel uh, strategy for them and then focusing on the messaging itself because we believe that today the advertising is the conversation and the conversation is the advertising. Hmm. It's, yeah, that's... That's been my that's my career, in a nutshell, and it's truer truer today than ever before, and that's also why I wrote my book. Got it. Well, yeah, and I was going to mention. I mean, that's not your entire career because you're an author. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I am. Yeah, I am <laughs> so, an author. And if you ask everybody, asks me the question, you know, why did you write a book? Well, yeah. it's kind it's kind of funny actually. Uh, what happened was. I was at a seminar, I think, in Simi Valley somewhere, and um, somebody gave, uh, got up and they started talking about, this is a funny story, but they started talking about how they had written a book on how to position yourself on LinkedIn. And they had been very successful and were on this big speaking tour based on you know how to position themselves on LinkedIn. And it's funny because after I heard that, I'm like, if somebody can write a book about how to market themselves on LinkedIn and be like feted by the international sort of coterie of uh, you know brand managers, well then then I need to write a book. So to some extent, you know, <laughs> I did it almost out of anger, and you know, three months three months later, I had a book. But uh, I felt the time was right to really put a capstone on my last twenty years in business, and uh, those years in the last five years have been 
really good for supporting my message that the advertising today is the conversation and the yep. conversation is the advertising and that's something that uh, large brands in particular re-emerging brands and big companies in particular are beginning to understand it was hard maybe 10 years ago because they were much more focused on uh, product-based advertising what is our value proposition uh, can we unlock the inherent value within our product or service and then advertise that today uh, that does not matter as much as creating a conversation that injects you immediately into uh, what we call the zeitgeist, uh, what is actually out there that's already being discussed. You sure. need to position your brand in relation to what's already being discussed and then differentiate yourselves within that uh, conversation or that zeitgeist. And my book, again, has maybe 10 to 15 examples of how that has been done successfully across business, politics, nonprofits. Uh, I would say 75% of the case studies are my own work, but I also borrow liberally from some commonly known examples uh, that people are uh, all familiar with. Sure, sure. So I want to ask you, what is one of the major accomplishments or cool things that you've done in your career? Oh, that's really hard. That's like being asked, you know, what is your favorite band? It's that kind of story. You know, you get to a stage where you've had a few, you know, so many, you don't want to offend one person. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, a great example of this, I'll give you two examples. I'll give you one from the nonprofit sector. Uh, because I was, uh, we were fortunate enough to be chosen as one of the agencies for the United Way. And the United Way had been uh, advertising with a large firm called Digitas. And uh, probably I shouldn't name names, but they were. And they were not getting their, the brand message uh, was not being intuited uh, the way they wanted it to be uh, because United Way had been a, you know, the way United Way works is uh, it's a clearinghouse for uh, different charities, in effect. So you give the money to the United Way, they're a hub-and-spoke type operation. You give the money to the United Way, and then they allocate those monies across what they deem to be uh, the most important charities for that money. Uh, everybody knows the United Way. The United Way has come under extreme pressure uh, recently because uh, charities themselves have gone the way of uh, both crowdsourcing. Uh, they've also, however, uh, gone the way of, you know, uh, celebrities have gotten involved in, in charities. And so uh, they're competing with uh, every other charity out there, whereas before they used to be the only charity in town. This is particularly true with millennials because millennials like to know specifically where their money's going and millennials specifically want to know, want to be able to choose a particular charity. So our branding uh, was based on the concept of uh, giving unites. No matter what our differences may be, it's giving that unites us all. And we came up with a uh, campaign where I think we had a number of different examples, but one of the examples that was perhaps my most favorite one 
was we uh, ran a billboard above the Aveda uh, Salon in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, that said Blondes and Brunettes United. You kind of get the point. We, we ran another one where we had dog lovers and cat lovers united over the uh, uh, pet store. Uh, and, uh, you know, and we even, we actually launched the campaign with uh, Vikings fans and Packers fans united during just in time for the Vikings-Packers game. What were we doing there? We were creating a conversation about the brand. It allowed people to engage and share their own stories of how uh, they may have their differences, but they certainly are united on giving. So that's a classic example. And, you know, that's for still what's probably the marquee brand in the nonprofit sector today. So it helped them immensely. Uh, they had the uh, most successful corporate fundraising drive uh, in their history in the last 10 years. Um, so they achieved all the goals that they needed to achieve. And that's a classic example of uh, positioning the brand, not so much... Uh, with examples of, you know, this is what your money is doing for you, but more instead, uh, instead positioning them within a conversation that people were having. Because as you know, even in the middle of the election season now, you know, nonpartisanship is something people talk about, but they don't always participate in. So we gave them that, we gave them that venue. Um, uh, and then I think one of the uh, uh, most successful uh, examples that I can that I can point to recently is we have uh, a chain of Spanish immersion schools uh, in Chicago, Minneapolis, and in different markets. And they had uh, created a large facility in Chicago for immersion learning. Immersion learning is a model where kids in elementary school go to a school and are taught completely in the language. It's a full immersion in a language. And what was interesting is they had built out their facilities, huge facilities, major investments, multi-million dollar investments in these schools, but they weren't getting any students and families to sign up for their lessons. And what was interesting is, is that in the Minneapolis market, this is a market that understands the value of immersion learning they had waiting lists for students. But in a market like Chicago, for example, Chicago, immersion learning is an entirely new idea in Chicago. So what we did is we focused their message on, uh, we came up with this tagline. We said, Spanish is not a second language, it's a life skill. And we focused on the concept of language as a life skill. And then we had a great deal of fun with the branding where we came up with examples such as Harvard first, excuse me, Spanish first, Harvard second, Spanish first, Nobel second, Spanish first, first million second. And it was just simple headline ads, but it was, it just, it just struck a nerve. And so we were able to not only make that our advertising message, but then we, we were able to backfill it with a complete content bucket that showed how people had used not just bilingualism, but Spanish in particular as a vehicle to get ahead. Two, two examples. That's a long, but you, that's a big question to ask. You know, what are examples of which you are most proud? Uh, one from the nonprofit sector, one from the obviously for-profit sector. Well, and I, I have like six questions I want to ask you about your answer, but I'm going to pick one. 
I think you said zeitgeist. Can you expand on that term, which I have never heard before? Yeah, that's uh, essential to the way a brand uh, can achieve what, of course, is the title of my book, Awareness Without Advertising, meaning generate rapid awareness and brand recall without giving all your money to the fangs, you know, Facebook, Apple, Network, Netflix, Google. Um, and the way you do it is, is that you position your brand in relation to the zeitgeist, the zeitgeist, a zeitgeist. Uh, Google actually, uh, even still to this day, uh, talks about zeitgeists all the time. And the zeitgeist is essentially a term from anthropology. It's a German term that means spirit of the time. So if you've ever had a sense that something is, if you will, in the air, uh, it's a trend that everybody is intuiting and feels, uh, and you, you sort of market to what is in the air, and in particular, you market to what various conversations might be happening online uh, that, that, are, that are getting a lot of traction. And, and frankly, the concept of the zeitgeist is one that uh, Twitter in particular, if you look at trending topics, for example, um, you might find a trending topic evolves very quickly and you're like, where the hell did that come from? Um, and usually it's, it's because somebody has effectively tapped into a zeitgeist, whether they know it. Sure. Okay. No, that's cool. I, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the advertising world, but as we do, you know, development, we don't focus on it. No. And, and I was going to say that the key thing, uh, the way that I help brand managers uh, think of this is I move them from what has typically been called the unique selling proposition. So again, focused on uh, a value in a product. Um, and, you know, they do a lot of work on that. They do minimum viable product to try to figure out sure. what they can test, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I've done that. I've, I've done extensive work in that area. I worked for a large Silicon Valley company for a while. But uh, when it comes to the zeitgeist, I say you got to think in terms instead of a unique selling proposition, you want to think in terms of a, instead of a USP, think in terms of a UZP, unique zeitgeist position, position yourself <laughs> relevant. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, it, it sounds ethereal, but, you know, once you get that paradigm and then it opens up just all kinds of new opportunities for brands. And, and again, you know, that's, that's been my experience. And I was able to write a book about it in three short months because I, I just, there's just so much out there. No, that's awesome. And I'm going to take that and, and try and ask you an age old question. And I'm sure there's not a perfect answer, but you're talking about like how to position a brand, but like, if you get into the more tactical pieces of it and you're, you had to place me media for a client. Would you do pay-per-click, Facebook, YouTube? Why? What's the least exploited? Like, what are the, the mediums for getting this out there? So there's two fundamental pieces in my book. The first is uh, rethink uh, what advertising actually means. So the advertising is the conversation, and the conversation is the advertising, right? Think in right. terms of the zeitgeist, not the selling proposition. Secondly, you need to completely, thoroughly understand from the ground up the media mix today. And the way I look at it is there are always four categories, roughly, in media that you need to look at. You need to look at the combination of paid, 
which of course includes all of the paid media that a digital marketing firm would provide to a client, PPC, uh, Facebook advertising, um, you know, paid search, uh, uh, that kind of thing. Um, that that's a lion's share. That's where, where companies are, have it in the last five years spent the most money per se. Traditional advertising, which of course remains the television spot, um, but it also can uh, progressively become more uh, like long, long, long and short form movies, that kind of thing. Earned media, which is PR typically, uh, the media that gets you press coverage. And the last bit being shared media. So shared media is that pure organic take up of, 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 of the content. And where my kind of work uh, gets the most mileage and the best way for a company to sort of allocate its media mix uh, is I have them focus primarily on content that is interactive and one of the channels that I've been exploiting to the hilt recently is YouTube advertising, paid YouTube advertising. In the grand scheme of things today, paid YouTube advertising is far less expensive than PPC and you know general PPC, Facebook, Google Ads. Uh, you can, if if you if you are able to create short six 15 and 30 second spots with a great message you can really get the value of both traditional advertising which is still important mm -hmm. and then you also get the value of you know basically content that is that is searchable um, you know you're looking for a kind of a I like to answer that question with what is the what is the tactic within the media mix today I'm getting the most mileage out of? And that's the tactic. Right. It's that tactic, and, and, and that's the tactic. And, of course, what this does is it means also that you should invest more money up front, comparatively speaking. Yep. And does this relate to the – I know I can't remember if it's in your book or if we talked about it, how you, you place this one ad that, like, that – provided a ton more uh, in earned media than, than you spent? Is that kind of related to this? Yeah, so the, the past performance is no guarantee of future results, but I can give you three examples from uh, one from a major fortune class brand and another from a little city, and then, uh, then a, there's actually a third one that I just had a lot of success with. So the one you're talking about is um, uh, about 15 years ago, that's how we started the agency. I wrote an ad uh, for uh, City Pages that was for the city of Excelsior in Minnetonka, uh, Minnesota. Excelsior is a little city in a very high-end Tony neighborhood on the shores of a very big lake here. Um, they needed to get people to come to their 150-year anniversary. They weren't getting any traffic and so we looked at what they had and we realized at the time that uh, they were all worried about the big box retailers coming around and encroaching on their turf and um, they had other like and even Ann Taylor's kind of these high mid-level uh, 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 retailers coming in and we said you know what your your unique selling proposition your zeitgeist position is that you are a place where you can secede from this whole thing 
And at the time, Starbucks was taking over everywhere, and they were ruining Main Streets. And so we said, this is where you can come and succeed, secede from Starbucks Nation. And, yeah, uh, we all we had to do was we wrote an open letter to Starbucks saying, we like your interest in our town, but we're not interested in having you come here. Uh, we ran it in City Pages. Uh, you know, we spent like 6900 bucks on the ad. Um, and then we did a billboard uh, where we ran the Secede from Starbucks Nation billboard. Um, we just said we were going to run the billboard. We never actually ran it. And within a week, it had appeared on the Puget Sound Journal. And the next thing you know, Starbucks was, was sending their regional manager out to Excelsior to, you know, say, what's the problem with, uh, with uh, what, what problem do you have with us? And we're like, we have no problem with you. We love you, you know, but... You know, they didn't. They really weren't in on the joke. But I mean, it, it just turned into a. It turned into a multinational press sensation. I mean, it was on all of the major, uh, all of the major media channels. Um, it was on the View, with uh, you know, and it even ended up in some French magazine. Um, and we did the same thing actually too with the Sharper Image in New York. It's even more impressive in some ways in that. They, they, their stores in New York were in Soho and NoHo, so really trendy neighborhoods, and nobody was shopping there because basically Sharper Image was, if you will, uncool. It was kind of a gadget for geeks. Sure. And what we did is we said, well, you know, the reason why um, you're not getting any traffic is, uh, you know, you really are totally lacking in the cool factor, but instead of making this about your gadgets, let's... In turn make it about the neighborhood in New York itself and so we came up with uh, an ad that positioned what we called the freaks of New York with sharper image air cleaners which are still used to this day it was a really hot seller and we had uh, Amanda Lepore who's the most famous uh, transvestite in the world uh, and we had her position uh, we took a picture of her with the sharper image air cleaner and the headline was, clean up the air, but don't touch the freaks. So it became a clean freaks campaign. And we, we kicked it off with a uh, star-studded uh, party in Soho in their store. Whoopi Goldberg, Robert De Niro, all these people showed up. And uh, they just thought clean freaks was just the coolest thing ever. So, um, again, uh, yeah, hugely successful for the Sharper Image. Put their name on the map. Um, and they got all the people that they wanted to have talking about their store in their store sure and of course it increased uh, walk through retail traffic so and, and the third example I, I it was uh, recently I was we were fortunate enough to work with the American Swedish Institute here in the Twin Cities and uh, they had a show that was based on their collection of Swedish artifacts and they were worried, you know, how are we going to get people interested in this thing? And, and we came up with the concept that um, we can, uh, what Swedes are about are finding the extra in the ordinary. Which is, when you think about it, that's what, you know, on an international basis, that's the way people think of Sweden. Ikea, for example. Sure. Very plain furnish, very plain furniture, but it has a little extra. What's the extra? It has the style and the design, you know, Volvo, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, what we did is we built a whole campaign around this show called Extraordinary, which is the American Swedish Institute at play. 
and it's just this marvelous exhibit. It's still at the American Swedish Institute. It's all over my website. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you use, but to the example that I had again, if you go back to this YouTube advertising that I was talking about, we had these highly effective six-second. There's a series of six and fifteen-second spots where they were super simple and basically they were they had a picture of something that was ordinary and then something that was extraordinary and it's like and then find the extra the ordinary the american swedish institute at play so it was great you know i mean we had uh um uh, a classic example is we had uh, uh like a yoga and then you know that's plain yoga and then we had Goat yoga is an example. That's an extraordinary form of yoga, and we had a a guy playing a, a just a plain uh, basin harp, and then we had it contrasted with the nickel harp. You know, we had a plain bun, and then we had it contrasted with a one of these fancy Swedish buns, and it just went on and on and on. It was a lot of fun. So, um, there's an example, though. You know that that's an and that that utilizing YouTube, number one, and then, you know, placing that content on Facebook. So between that one, two yep. hit with Facebook and YouTube, uh, you know, that helped. And then because the story was so easy to understand, um, it generated above the fold coverage in all of the local media and it became a big hit in Sweden. I love it. And I love the American Swedish Institute in Minneapolis, such a cool building. So, um, Chris, that's about all the time we have on today's show. I really appreciate your insights your stories, which are great examples and all the things that you talked to about us today. Um, for our listeners, um, thank you for listening. You can download our episodes of our program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mind your own marketing business or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Um, you can find Chris all over the place. Um, but uh, uh, I think if you start with abdbuzz.com, uh, you'll find him and his team there, as well as uh, if you search, uh, of course, since I did, um, a search for awareness without advertising for his book on Amazon, or just uh, type in his name to Amazon, Chris Burt, B-I-R-T. Uh, can't thank you enough for being on the show, Chris. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joel. And Fjord is a great place, by the way. You guys have an e uh, equally uh, impressive uh, 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 sort of reputation and you didn't pay me to say that so i just wanted to make sure that people knew that all right well and i did you didn't pay me to buy your book but i did no you didn't no i didn't oh my god i got you to do that <laughs> uh, thanks so much